WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. It is 5 o'clock. Good morning. It's Friday, May 5th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 60, and then the weekend's just sweet. Saturday sunshine, high 71. Sunday sun and clouds, high 72. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 43 and cloudy up in Pearl River in Westchester, 44 and cloudy in Montville, and 48 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour and sit in friends in the morning. Um, I bring my lunch to work with me every single day because, you know, mostly because, well, some of it, I guess, is because you save money by not going out and eating out every day. But part of it is I, I'm tied to my desk most of the day. And so that way, can you close that door? Thank you. <laughs> so it's always noisy when I'm starting the show. What is that? <laughs> Trying to do a show and people are screaming around me. It's, I can't tell you how difficult sometimes it is to sit out in the middle of a hallway doing a show. But it's anyway. appalling. It is. So um, I, I was telling this fascinating story when I was interrupted. <laughs> so I bring my bag lunch to work every day. And so I go on these binges. Do you remember this? Uh, Mitt Romney loved tuna sandwiches, and that's what he ate every single day. Again, can you close that door? Like, come on. Excuse me. Hold on a second. I'm trying to do a show in here. Sit, sit. Okay. There we go. All right. There's just no respect. No respect. And nobody shows love. Thankfully, you show love. The ratings are great, so thank you. All right. So Mitt Romney brings a tuna sandwich with him every single day for lunch, and they used to make fun of him. So I went through this phase where I was eating avocado. So I would look for the perfect avocado. I'd bring it with me to work. I'd squirt it with a little lime and lemon, scoop it out, and I'd eat it. And my wife, for a while, she's like, you're nuts. You eat that every single day. But I'm like, I love this avocado. So I would bring it with me, scoop it out, and eat it every day. Now, uh, after about three and a half years, it took a while. At one, I just woke up one day and I was like, I can't eat this anymore. I just, I had enough avocado. So now that I went on peanut butter and jelly, like I was four years old. And I've been doing that for the last year and a half. And, uh, here, this is my bag lunch right here. Hear that? And, uh, and today I woke up and I was like, I can't do peanut butter and jelly anymore. Aren't you glad that it took that long to tell that fascinating story? So I have to move on, but I don't know what's next. But I will keep you abreast of what the next sandwich might be. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. There were more protests over the chokehold death of that subway rider. The war of words between Texas Governor Abbott and Mayor Adams continues. Students talk about the shocking death of two teens on Long Island. An upstate New York church gets some heat for a giveaway they held. And who dumped 500 pounds of pasta in a New Jersey creek? All right, let's get into it. 503 will start uh, with the death of that subway rider put into a chokehold by a former Marine on a train in NoHo, now ruled a homicide. Last night, some activists uh, hanging out outside the Barclays Center, upset, saying that this Marine should be arrested. It, by the way, it was not a huge protest like we saw a number of years ago, the Black Lives Matter, but there were uh, maybe a 100 people there. It was a human being. Where is the love? 
kind of standard are you setting when you when you when you do that? Yeah. Are people going to be able to start choking out every homeless person? These are protesters calling for a full investigation into 30-year-old Jordan Neely's death died from compression of the neck. And there is an investigation, the Manhattan DA investigating. Basic due process, basic justice, and black people need to be treated like the American citizens they are. To me, that's worse than the George Floyd thing. You just let this man, you just let this man choke this man out and go home? Like, what is this? If you've been under a rock, uh, the story is on Monday afternoon, Neely was pacing back and forth on an F train in Manhattan when witnesses say he was restrained by at least three people, including this former Marine, a 24-year-old, who pulled one arm tightly around his neck. A physical struggle ensued, leading Neely to lose consciousness. He was rushed to Lenox Hospital, where he was pronounced dead. Stop to yelling, um... Violence. Oh, I should tell you, this is somebody who was actually on the train with Neely and saw this all play out. Start to yelling, um, violence, language. Um, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I go into jail. On Wednesday, medical examiner determined Neely's death was a homicide. However, that doesn't mean the case will be prosecuted as a homicide. That's up to the Manhattan DA's office. But, of course, everybody weighing in here, city comptroller Brad Lander. New York City is not Gotham. You can't take the law into your own hands and choke someone to death who's having a mental health crisis. Both the family of Jordan Neely and the 24-year-old Marine, they both have attorneys, high-profile ones. Uh, let's see, here's Governor Hochul talking. Holding him down until the last breath was snuffed out of him, I would say was a very extreme response. So she has a definite opinion on it there. Uh, Mayor Adams, not so much. The uh, district attorney, the police department, they're doing their investigations, and I'm going to respect that. Uh, there are many layers to this. So let them, let the process follow its course. We should not wait until something happens with someone and then react. We should be proactive, and that is what we are pleased about what we have done. And now the New York City Council, council members considering a, uh, a group of mental health legislation um, laws after um, Neely's death on the subway on Monday. Let's get the latest on this live now from 77 WABC's Alex Barnard. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noman. Yes, that's right. Uh, the city council members were among those giving reactions yesterday. Councilman Kevin Riley had a visceral reaction to Neely's death. Black men are not safe. We are literally being choked out instead of giving resources. I can't explain this to my kids no more. Other city council members weighing in. We've got to do so much more than just express outrage about what happened to Jordan Neely. This is not about policies. This is about humanity, y'all. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. We have to provide resources for our people. Council members are considering legislation that would create a mental health roadmap, though at this time it's not really clear what that looks like.
Uh, and so are the, they're just talking, essentially. There's essentially, no actual... they're just talking. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's day, a couple days after the incident. I mean, there's nothing concrete yet, but uh, it looks like they'll have something soon for us. All right, WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. WABC News Time 510. Let's go down to Washington for... Proud Boy members convicted of seditious conspiracy yesterday outside the courthouse. Reporter Ryan Riley says another Proud Boy member's charges are still in limbo. The jury will still have to keep deliberating on whether he was a part of this conspiracy or whether he was uh, somewhat acting on his own. So the Justice Department charged the men in connection to their roles in the 2021 U.S. Capitol riot. Seditious conspiracy, by the way, defined as a plot to overthrow the government. So it's pretty serious. It's come from the uh, Civil War era. All five of these defendants have been found guilty of very serious charges, and four of the defendants have been found guilty of that top charge uh, of seditious conspiracy. Riley says the uh, testimony of one Proud Boys member from Philadelphia was questionable. Jurors kind of just completely dismissed uh, the testimony from uh, from Zach Reel, who went up and sort of had a little bit of a, a story that he told on the stand about trying to explain away a lot of this violent rhetoric. And the former Proud Boys chairman, Enrique Terrio's uh, defense attorney uh, is Naib Hassan, and he says that they plan to appeal this all. We respect the jury's verdict today, although we disagree with it, but we respect it. And at this point in time, we're currently drafting uh, all the appellate paperwork to proceed forward. WABC News Time 511 down to Florida. Former uh, President Donald Trump now says he probably will attend his civil trial that's taking place in Lower Manhattan. Writer E. Jean Carroll is suing Trump for sexual battery along with defamation after he denied her claims that he raped her in the 1990s. Speaking outside a golf course in Ireland, Trump said, I have to go back for a woman that made a false accusation about me. He added, this woman is a disgrace and it shouldn't be allowed to happen in our country. Earlier this week, Trump's legal team said he wouldn't testify in the trial. I'm Lisa Taylor. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he makes his way into the city next week. This trial was expected to last maybe a week, a little more. Uh, but now the ex-president saying he's going to testify. 5-12, while we were in Florida, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says it's been smooth sailing for his agenda in the state during this most current legislative session. Normally, the last week of session, it's like frantic and like I'm on the phone haggling with, with like, oh, can we do? We're not having to do that. We're all on the same page. Everything's kind of been locked and loaded. But Democrats down south don't see it that way. Crying foul over the tweak in Florida's resign to run law that will allow Governor DeSantis to keep his day job while running for president as expected. One of the members of the House there in Orlando says this sets up a terrible public records exemption. If it wasn't for this latest effort to erode access to public records, we would be able to know what his travel schedule is, what are the expenses involved in that. Yeah, so uh, this is the age-old argument. Should you be able to hold on to your job while you run for office? Florida apparently had something on the books that said no, but they were able to reverse that for Ron DeSantis, who's expected to jump into the race any day now. 513, uh, a little further north up in Atlanta. A doctor from an Atlanta hospital says the people wounded in that Wednesday mass shooting thankfully are starting to improve. One of them is in stable condition in one of our medical units. Three victims are in intensive care, another in stable condition. The chief medical officer there, Dr. Robert Jansen, says uh, the victims have been surrounded by family and friends. He says that's always helpful. Two of the uh, three in critical care are going back to the operating room today. 
the third patient is stable. Hopefully we'll be able to move out of the ICU today. All right, let's go over to Texas, where the war of wards continues between Democratic mayors like Mayor Adams and some big city mayors like Chicago and D.C. and Texas Governor Greg Abbott. This is over the shipping or busing of illegal immigrants away from border cities in Texas, where they've been flooding over the border, to sanctuary cities like New York City. And Greg Abbott, the Texas governor, says he's not making any excuses, no apologies. He says uh, they need help, and the sanctuary cities are sanctuary cities, so that's why he's sending them there. New York and Chicago, they are self-declared sanctuary cities. So you would think they would be asking for me to be busing migrants to their cities of course they are not asking for that uh he says like places like new york and chicago are struggling to handle just a fraction of the people that texas border towns are being inundated with they want to go to new york they want to go to chicago and and these other cities it's the responsibility of New York and Chicago and the entire country to deal with a problem. Yeah, uh, it's the whole nation dealing with the problem. 53,000, well, the number's probably higher by now, have made it here to New York City since last spring and uh, have exploded New York City's budget. The mayor, Mayor Adams, saying it's going to cost New York City $4 billion to take care of those migrants that have come our way. And while we're in Texas, they are ramping up inspections of big rigs that are coming in from Mexico and brown. Brownsville, Texas, which is at the southern tip, every single commercial vehicle is getting scanned for illegal immigrants now and drugs. Most of the hard drugs in particular are seized at the ports of entry. That's Steve McGraw, who heads the Texas State Troopers. He says enforcement is working, but it is leading to these mass delays. These 18-wheelers now stuck for days waiting to sometimes get perishable products across the border. Cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, and fentanyl across the port of entry. Where most of the seizures occur. Yeah, and that's where they're trying to stop. Equipment type of violations like brakes or a driver is not qualified or certified to, to drive a commercial vehicle. It is just a mess. It's at the southern border with no uh, sight, nothing in sight to say that it's going to all be worked out. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Well, happy Friday to you as well, Noam Laden. We begin here in Detroit. The Mets lost 2 to nothing to the Tigers with the offense unable to offer any support in Justin Verlander's solid Mets debut after a rough start, surrendering back-to-back homers in the first. Verlander settled in nicely to punch out with two earned runs off five hits over five innings of work. He took the loss, but should feel good leading into his number two start on the year. The Mets, as a unit, though, are looking to get back on track now. After losing nine of their last 11 and falling to 500 at 16 and 16 overall, now six games back of the first place Braves, they'll see if they can indeed right the ship starting tonight when they return home to welcome in the Colorado Rockies for the opener of a three-game set. First pitch is set for 7:10 p.m. with Kodai Senga primed to take the bump against Colorado's Antonio Senzatela. As for the Yankees, they'll return to action tonight in Tampa Bay as they get a huge series with the first place Rays underway, trailing Tampa by nine games now. In the AL East, the Yanks will send out Johnny Brito for a 6:40 p.m. first pitch against Tampa's Yanni Torinos. They couldn't do any better than Johnny Brito. Your fave. Yeah, they couldn't do any well, better than Johnny Burrito in this in this and huge game. Johnny Burrito yeah. on Cinco de Mayo seems to make yeah, sense. His last name is Burrito. Yeah. So. Oh, that's no. fine. No, but he's got an ERA of like a million. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Justin doesn't care about that. No, I don't. Okay. Well, you can celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Uh, I don't know from the dugout, and then we can okay. get 
Try a win. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> else out there. Yeah. yeah. How about a win on uh, Cinco de Mayo for Johnny Brito? Underlay. Underlay. <laughs> 6.40 first pitch. Yanni Chirinos will go out for Tampa. In the NBA, the Warriors beat the Lakers 127-100 in game two of that series. To not things at one game apiece. And you got the Knicks and the Heat in Miami game three coming up tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. And tonight, Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes out in Carolina. Game two. Puck drop at 8 p.m. Carolina currently up one game to none. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Owen. WABC News Time 519. Russia's claim, well, this according to the U.S. The U.S. says Russia's claim that the U.S. was behind that alleged drone attack on the Kremlin is an outright lie. The United States was not involved in this incident in any way, contrary to Mr. Peskov's lies. That's what they are, just lies. That's what White House National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby telling reporters yesterday. Ukraine President Zelensky denying carrying out the attack, too, saying Ukraine is not carrying out attacks in Russia. We're still trying to gather information about what happened, and we just don't have conclusive evidence one way or the other. We've been clear with them publicly, and we've been clear privately that we do not encourage nor do we enable them to strike outside Ukraine. Yeah, of course, some of the thought here is that it was a faked attack. It sure looked like it when you watch the video of the drones exploding over the Kremlin. Seems like the drone wouldn't be able to get that far, but maybe it did. But uh, since then, of course, uh, the attacks have heightened big time in Ukraine over the last 24 hours. Uh, the Russians saying that's retaliatory for sending those drones to the Kremlin and what they said was an assassination attempt on Putin, President Putin. 521, let's bring it back home. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand calling on the IRS to clear its backlog of claims. The senator making her demands in a second letter to the agency now, noting it's holding up pandemic-era money that's owed to a lot of businesses across the nation. We assured business owners and nonprofits that they would get assistance immediately and directly. Unfortunately, far too for far too many, that was not the case. So Gillibrand says more than one million employee retention credits have gone unprocessed. She says Congress approved the monies back in 2020 so businesses could keep their employees during the pandemic. So she says it's time to pay that out. Last year, I sent a letter to then commissioner of the IRS calling on the agency to speed up and clear the backlog. But since that letter, the backlog of unprocessed ERC payments has only increased. So now I'm sending another letter. Several New York businesses on that list, big ones, nonprofits as well, still waiting on that money they're owed, including New York Presbyterian Hospital. 522, let's go out to Long Island, learn, learning more about two 14-year-olds who were killed, two other teens injured in this wrong way accident that happened in Jericho late Wednesday night. The vehicles collided North Broadway. This was about 1030 at night. A 34-year-old man driving a Dodge Ram on the wrong side of the road. He was blitzed a drunk, according to cops, when he slammed into this Alfa Romeo head-on. There were four teenagers inside. He allegedly had a blood alcohol level of 0.18, which is more than twice the legal limit. He has this high speed coming right at him, and it's going from middle to center to middle lane, and it's like, which way do you go? And the poor kid chose to go to the left and and the car hit him.
Yeah, we're learning more about these two 14-year-olds that were on their way home from a tennis match. Apparently, tennis stars of sorts. At 14, they had made the varsity team in uh, their local high school. A 17-year-old behind the wheel, a 16-year-old was in the left rear, but it was unfortunately those 14-year-olds who took the brunt of the accident. He has this high speed coming right at him, and it's going from middle to center to middle lane, and it's like, which way do you go? And the poor kid chose to go to the left, and and the car hit him. Yeah, there was no way to get out of the this uh, this killer's way. Essentially, the uh, two eighth graders pronounced dead at the scene. They later identified as Rosalind Middle School students Drew uh, Hassenbein and Ethan Falkowitz. The victims were gifted, as we've heard, hardworking tennis stars. Um, here was their tennis coach. It's really hard. I mean, for everyone. I mean, I know for me, I can speak for me personally. I couldn't really speak to anyone until about noon today. You know, once I found out and, um, you know, had been in touch with both families and, and it, it's just it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, it sure is. Authorities say the driver of that Dodge, the one who was drunk behind the wheel, 34-year-old Amandeep Singh, arrested, treated just for minor injuries. Uh, in fact, even a good Samaritan had helped Singh get out of the crash truck after the accident, and he tried to run away from the scene. Thankfully, uh, someone caught up with him, tackled him, and police were able to cuff him. WABC News Time 524. Let's go out to Newark. Newark Mayor Ross Baraka pleading with neighbors, residents to do their part to combat gun violence. This is finally what was a deadly shooting Wednesday night. Baraka uh, went to the hospital saying among the dead is an eight-year-old who played baseball. He said he's had enough of the shootings on the streets in Newark. This one was domestic in nature. I don't like being at the hospital for no reason, and I certainly don't like being there uh, to watch children die. Police say the gunman shot, killed two people, wounded another before he was shot and killed by police. He says the people involved in the shooting knew each other. He said drugs and weapons were found uh, at this home as well. We are failing as a society uh, while we watch this young man on his table we're still negotiating and battling and discussing uh, gun laws and gun control across the federal government we just have an enormous amount of work to do 525 amazon workers pushing for safer warehouse facilities yesterday They gathered outside Jeff Bezos's Manhattan apartment, calling on state lawmakers to pass the Warehouse Worker Injury Reduction Act, which union organizer Antonio Rosario says will protect thousands of workers here in the city. The bill would require employers to implement injury reduction plans, undergo annual evaluations. Companies would also have to improve safety standards, worker training, and on-site medical care. Uh, advocates say the measure ensures workers are protected from retaliation when they report bad things going on inside their warehouse or office. Can we take on people like Bezos and these corporate massive mega-billion-dollar corporations like Amazon and go together that we can really make a difference. And it is up to our educated workers to make sure we let leadership know what's happening so that we can fight them, so that we can make sure that we regulate them, 
so we police them, so we hold them accountable. We got a lot more to uh, get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning, there is this plan in place to put rat-resistant trash cans on New York City streets, but apparently, to do so, they're going to have to take away thousands of parking spots. Are you willing to do that? Ed Sheeran blasting what he calls the so-called experts of music after he was found not liable in that case where he might have stole one of Marvin Gaye's uh, tracks or songs. A church in Troy, New York, coming under fire after raffling off an odd thing to get people into the pews. And uh, before we head out, we'll talk to you also about someone dropped off what was 500 pounds of pasta next to a creek in New Jersey. we got that more coming up, but first this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Friday, May 5th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 60. Saturday sunshine, high 71. Sunday sun and clouds, high 72. Like that. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 43 and cloudy in Pearl River, 44 and cloudy in Montville, New Jersey, and it is 46 and foggy here in Midtown. We're working our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. We'll start right here in the big city. Are you one of those people who gets outraged as you drive around your neighborhood looking for a place to park, right? Parking's a huge issue, always has been in New York City, seems to get worse by the year. So that's why this plan by the Department of Sanitation has a lot of people questioning whether it's worth it. New York City piloting the use of trash containers and bins for curbside garbage to try to cut down on the large number of rats. So the Department of Sanitation Commissioner, Jessica Tish says they're going to do this two-year pilot program that will launch in the fall that will have New Yorkers containerize garbage instead of having plastic trash bags pile up on the curb. They say that's what attracts the rats. The bags sitting on the street, they are completely accessible to the rats. So containerizing our waste is the single best thing that we as a city can do to fight the rats. No doubt when I come to work in the middle of the night and those bags are piled up, there are a ton of rats running around them. It is pretty nasty. So the thought is if they put them in these rat-resistant containers, maybe the rats will go away. But here's the big issue. To put these containers on the street, it would take up 150,000 parking spots. That's, on some places, 25% of parking spots on some blocks. So 150,000 parking spots across the city. In some neighborhoods, it would be 25% of parking spots on certain blocks. So, okay, here's the question. Would you rather have the rats or would you rather have your parking? I go with the parking because we've lived with rats forever. And it really comes down to what is more important to us. Parking or getting rid of the rats? Yeah, I go, I don't know about you, but I go with the parking. I can handle the rats we always have. 534, 
labor activists yesterday just applauding New York state lawmakers. That doesn't happen too often. And the governor for including changes to the minimum wage in the budget that passed this week. The New York state AFL-CIO president, Mario Salento, says uh, tying the minimum wage to inflation in New York, which is what they have done, is historic. When minimum wage earners do well, most of the time, their money goes right back into the local economy. But that means that local businesses prosper as a result. That's always been the issue for minimum wage workers, is their salaries have not kept up with inflation. Next year, the minimum wage will increase to 16 bucks here in the city. Nassau County, Suffolk, and Westchester counties, $15. Uh, several labor union heads joining the governor in Manhattan yesterday, saying never again will the minimum wage earners have to go years with a wild, uh, wage increase due to this new law. Never again in this state will minimum wage earners have to go five years or six years or sometimes nine years in the past without a wage increase. This is historic. Governor Hochul uh, patting herself on the back as well. Life is hard here these days because of the cost of living just keeps going up and up and up. I mean, my God, the cost of eggs. Yeah, well, maybe it'll be a little easier to afford those eggs uh, with that hike in the minimum wage here in the city. 536, Ed Sheeran blasting what he calls so-called experts of music after he was found not liable yesterday in his music copyright infringement case that was taking place lower Manhattan. The other side's musicologist left out words and notes, presented simple and different pitches as melody. Sheeran says the uh, plaintiff's music expert left out key components of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On and his 2014 hit Thinking Out Loud when trying to make the case that he had stolen it. He was accused of stealing parts of Gaye's song for his and was being sued for millions. He called the claims all along baseless and even actually threatened that he would lose or rather leave the music uh, world, stop his career if uh, the Gaye family was found to, if he was found to have stolen stolen this music from Marvin Gaye. We spent the last eight years talking about two songs with dramatically different lyrics, melodies, and four chords, which are also different and used by songwriters every day all over the world. Yeah, so uh, there were some jurors who were speaking out. Let's see. Uh, outside the courthouse, juror Sophia Nice says the jury spent a lot of time on questions and definitions before coming up with their verdict. It was less about there being a lack of deliberation and more so of us wanting to be really thorough and get ourselves on a page that we were all very comfortable with, which didn't necessarily happen immediately. Both sides had advocates. Then there were the people that were we were more in the middle and trying to figure out either way what was actually you know the best ruling of law in this case. Yeah, so no payday for Marvin Gaye's family. WABC News Time 539. The NFL now being investigated after dozens of female former employees are accusing the league of discrimination and a hostile work environment. California Attorney General Rob Bonta and his New York counterpart Letitia James are serving subpoenas to the NFL's Los Angeles and New York City headquarters. They're launching a joint investigation into the league. This comes more than a year after more than 30 women who used to work for the NFL shared with the New York Times claims of gender pay disparities, harassment, and gender and race discrimination. I'm Phil Hewlett. NFL player turned Congressman Colin Allred 
is trying to unseat Senator Ted Cruz. There are already some comparisons to the 2018 election when Beto O'Rourke nearly pulled off an upset, but experts predict this race could be a little different. There's a very different point in time in 2018 where you had an unpopular Donald Trump in the White House and Ted Cruz falling asleep at the switch. Rice uh, University political analyst Mark Jones there says that Cruz is not as vulnerable as he was or as the Democrats think he is. Texas, of course, remains strongly a Republican state, so it will be hard for this former NFL player turned Congressman. You don't have an unpopular Donald Trump in the White House. You also have Ted Cruz very much wide awake and watching what's going on. 541, the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby that gets underway this weekend. Mike Tirico is at Churchill Downs, the most famous site in horse racing, with a little bit of a preview. It's only the three-year-olds in the Kentucky Derby, and every year the question, is there a super horse? The answer this year is no, but the two favorites coming into the weekend are horses trained by the same gentleman, Hall of Famer Todd Pletcher. Yeah, so Derby Week has been overshadowed by the deaths of four horses in recent days. The uh, two of them collapsed after racing. Another two were injured on the track. The one and a quarter mile race features 20 horses battling on Saturday at Churchill Downs. Um, uh, you know, everybody's putting their money down, getting their mint juleps ready and fancy hats. Forte, by far the most accomplished horse in the field. He's last year's two-year-old champ. He's a perfect two for two for this year. He's been the Kentucky Derby favorite for the past six months, and deservedly so, but not an overwhelming favorite. All right, so maybe your money goes there. In my opinion, he's the most talented horse in the race. His bluegrass stakes was awesome. He tends to get rolling on the far outside, can be a little unfocused and break slowly from the gate, Mike, but once he gets into gear, he's like a big gray locomotive. Yeah, big day, of course, tomorrow in Louisville. 542. The strikes continue across uh, New York and Hollywood. Members of the Writers Guild asking for a better contract, want more money from streaming. They say they should get a whole lot more. Uh, they were out in Greenpoint in Brooklyn yesterday outside Sarratt's studio and uh, saying they're not going to leave the picket line anytime soon. They want a better deal from Hollywood. We're just out here fighting for a fair wage, right. a fair share of the enormous corporate profits we help generate to help keep writing a sustainable and stable uh, profession. Yeah, so, so the, the late night shows, if you stay up for that, you've noticed they've gone dark. They're in reruns because, of course, of course it's all about the writers for those shows. Writers say protections for their employment have been eroded due to the new side of TV, including streaming platforms and these short series. Uh, writers are getting shorter gigs, apparently, that are leading to fewer hours and less pay, and that's part of what they're looking for, more money for all that. Executives are still collecting millions of dollars in pay, and they are cutting down the pay of, of writers that they are trying to make it into a day-rate job. Shows like uh, The Tonight Show here in the city, Jimmy Fallon, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver, that's also shot here in the city, halted. Uh, Saturday Night Live, there won't be a new episode of that as well uh, this weekend. The work that goes on the air, that goes on film screens, can't happen without writers. And and that is, uh, the test case is, is late night, right? It's like, oh, without writers, there is no show. 
Yeah, so what's in uh, store here? Well, last time they did a strike, it was more than a decade ago, cost Hollywood over $2 billion, uh, shortened the fall season. Uh, that's the fear here. Here we are in May when they start pushing out a uh, series for the fall. Uh, the streaming, you know, series work a little differently than the networks do, but uh, that's the fear is that some of those shows uh, will have to go on a longer hiatus unless these writers return to their jobs. Uh, they say they won't until they get the things they're demanding. 544. Let's go up to uh, Troy, New York, a church in Troy coming under fire for raffling off an AR-15 style weapon. Senator Joe LeBrand was asked about it during a press conference. I don't think they should be publicly available to civilians. It is a military style weapon designed to kill large numbers of people very quickly. But Grace Baptist Church says it's done it before its annual revival meeting, noting the raffle winner can choose between a flamethrower or an AR-15 rifle. And as a person of faith, it's very disturbing to me personally that a church would be giving away weapons of war designed to kill large numbers of people very church, quickly. Church not making any apologies, says they've done this before. They'll do it in the future. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Noam. Late and out in Detroit, the Mets lost 2-0 to to the Tigers, with the offense unable to offer any support, and Justin Verlander solid Mets debut after a rough start for Verlander, running back-to-back homers in the first he settled in nicely and punched out with two earned runs off five hits or five innings of work. He took the loss, but should feel good leading into his uh, second start of the year coming up. The Mets, as a unit, though, are looking to get back on track now after losing nine of their last 11, falling to 500 at 16 and 16 overall. Now six games back of the first place Braves. We'll see if they can indeed right the ship starting tonight when they return home to welcome in the Colorado Rockies for the opener of a three-game set. First pitch is set for 7.10 p.m. with Kodai Senga, primed to take the bump against Colorado's Antonio Senzatella. As for the Yankees, they'll return to action tonight in Tampa Bay as they get a gigundo series with the first place Rays underway, trailing Tampa by nine games now in the A. At least the best they can do today is, you guessed it, Johnny Brito. Johnny Brito. We're going to put out Johnny Brito there, try to... um, Try to dig into this uh, nine-game deficit here. Six forty. You just PM. texted you, hi, Justin. Yeah, get, the, get it done tonight. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> Johnny Brito did right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's what he told me. Yeah, I'll give him a little pep talk before the game tonight. See if he's got. See if he's got his A stuff. So that's a six forty p.m. first pitch against Tampa's Yanni Chirinos. Brito will go in the NBA. The Warriors beat the Lakers one twenty-seven to one hundred in Game Two of that series to knock things at one game apiece. The Knicks in the Heat. They'll meet in Miami tomorrow for Game Three coming up at. 3.30 p.m. And tonight, Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes out in Carolina. Game 2 at 8 p.m. with Carolina currently up one game to none. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I am Justin Alec. WABC News Time 549, one of my favorite moments of the week where we get a movie recommendation when you have time to sit in front of the couch and watch something or go out to the theater. Our own 77 WABC movie critic reviewer Joe Malisi has a review of the movie Renfield this week. Whether you're sitting in a theater or sitting on your couch, this episode of Cinema in 60 Seconds is to die for. Today, we're reviewing Renfield. This movie stars Nicholas Holt as the servant of Count Dracula, played by Nicholas Cage. And if Nicholas Cage as Dracula isn't enough to convince you, I don't know what else to say. This movie was a very fun watch. It had all the campiness, goofiness, and enjoyment that I was hoping for. The movie is a bit violent, but it's still in a very animated, even cartoonish way. 
If you give this a few years, I can absolutely see this movie becoming a cult classic. You can still see Renfield in theaters, but it's also available to rent or to buy online, so you can pick. I'm Joe Malisi with Cinema in 60 Seconds. All right, that's 77 WABC's Joe Malisi. You can see, by the way, uh, some uh, some outtakes from that movie, and you can see how handsome Joe Malisi is, and he is, by going to WABCradio.com. And right there on the front page, on your phone, uh, on your laptop, on your desktop, uh, is a review of that movie. Thanks so much, Joe. 5.50, let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Of course, the biggest story over the last couple of days has been the death on the subway of 30-year-old Jordan Neely. Uh, he was put into a chokehold by a former Marine on the train. It's been ruled a homicide. Now, activists, some taking to the street, wasn't a huge rally, but there was one outside the Barclay Center in Brooklyn last night. They're calling for accountability. Uh, they want uh, the Marine who put Neely in that chokehold to be arrested. It was a human being. Where is the love? What kind of standard are you setting when you when you when you do that? Yeah. Are people going to be able to start choking out every homeless person? We want basic due process, basic justice, and black people need to be treated like the American citizens they are. To me, that's worse than the George Floyd thing. You just let this man, you just let this man choke this man out and go home? Like, what is this? So if you haven't been paying attention, Monday afternoon, Neely was yelling and pacing and backing forth on an F train, uh, lower Manhattan, near NoHo station. Witnesses say he was uh, restrained by three people, including that 24-year-old Marine, pulled one arm tightly around his neck. A physical struggle ensued, leading Neely to lose consciousness. He was rushed to Lenox Hill Hospital, where he was pronounced dead. Here was somebody who was on the subway, witnessed this all. I'm sure he'll be part of the Manhattan DA's investigation. Start to yelling, um, violence, language. Um, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I go into jail. Yeah, so on Wednesday, a medical examiner determined Neely's uh, death was a homicide. However, that does not mean the case will be prosecuted as a homicide. That's up to the Manhattan DA's office, which is investigating, of course, Everybody wants to weigh in on this. Uh, you had a city comptroller, Brad Lander. New York City is not Gotham. You can't take the law into your own hands and choke someone to death who's having a mental health crisis. He was Governor Hochul yesterday. Holding him down until the last breath was snuffed out of him. I would say it was a very extreme response. Both the uh, family of Jordan Neely, 24-year-old Marine, they have lawyered up, uh, getting ready for what they no doubt will be some sort of case. They think the case will be taken up. Meanwhile, uh, Neely's family releasing a statement saying they don't know why it took so long for police to intervene. Um, uh, you had Mayor Adams, who uh, says he's withholding judgment on this whole thing. The uh, district attorney, the police department, they're doing their investigations, and I'm going to respect that. Uh, there are many layers to this. So let them let the process follow its course. So the police have interviewed the Marine on the spot. They released him. Neely, by the way, 40 prior arrests, a fair amount of those crimes taking down below on the subway. We should not wait until something happens with someone and then react. We should be proactive, and that is what we are pleased about what we have done. And I'm going to let the process take its place. And those who believe 
uh, that I should do something differently. I respect that, but um, I have to make the right decision for the city of New York. Yeah, so city council members yesterday discussing this, trying to figure out uh, what went wrong, why there are so many mentally disturbed people on the streets, what they can do to save some of them or get them off the streets. Black men are not safe. We are literally being choked out instead of giving resources. I can't explain this to my kids no more. Yeah, so Neely used to be a Michael Jackson impersonator, but that was a while ago. He had recently experienced, uh, experienced mental health struggles. You've got to do so much more than just express outrage about what happened to Jordan Neely. This is not about policies. This is about humanity, y'all. We have to provide resources for our people. Yeah, but no thoughts or no talk anyway of any sort of legislation from the city council. 554. Did you see this? The U.S. Surgeon General bringing attention to what's being called an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. Dr. Vivek Murthy released an advisory saying a lack of connection in the U.S. increases the risk for premature death to more than 60 percent. Recent research cited in the report shows about half of American adults experience loneliness daily, something that happened even before the COVID-19 pandemic began. Increases in the risk of anxiety, depression, heart disease, dementia, and stroke were also linked to the lack of social connection. The Surgeon General said the U.S. has an obligation to make the same investments in addressing social connection that we've made in addressing tobacco use, obesity, and the addiction crisis. I'm Michael Kastner. Yeah, someone was saying to me, and I thought this was sort of interesting, they say our phones will look back at our phones like people look back at smoking 20, 30 years from now that we're so addicted, like people are addicted to their uh, used to be addicted to their pack of cigarettes. And that's what's leading to that isolation, loneliness and all those mental health problems. The um, Kellogg's Diner in Williamsburg. Boy, that has been an institution for years late. It was 24 seven. So if you were out partying at night, you'd go there overnight. Um, but now they're closing 95 years after 95 years. They're uh, they're going to shut the doors. It's sad because it's like sits at such a pivotal part of the neighborhood. It's always great. I love Kellogg's. There's no great diners like actual diners around here. And uh, I definitely hope it stays open. Yeah. So uh, they survived the pandemic. Um, by doing a lot of delivery service, but they had racked up all kinds of other expenses, $750,000 in unpaid rent. And so now they have no um, no other way to survive. And so they're closing. We've lived here. We've gone to school here. And I don't know. You always know Kellogg's. Like, it's the spot. It's open 24-7. There's a bouncer to get in. It's like a, you know, neighborhood staple. Old school New York diner. And, like, people are also super friendly. So I'm definitely going to miss that. Yeah. And finally, out to New Jersey, where we have solved this pasta mystery in Old Bridge, more than 500 pounds of pasta dumped into the woods last week, including ziti, spaghetti, noodles. A community advocate posting photos of the heaps of food along a creek in Veterans Park. Neighbors say this has become a dumping ground for years. Uh, they say pasta, usually it's furniture, so it's a surprise to see all the pasta. The township has no bulk garbage pickup. And because we don't have pickup, we have dumps. The funny dump this time was pasta, which, of course, you all picked up. It's a financial constraint. When you throw out a couch, it's $300. To call up Sodexo or waste management, it's a few hundred dollars for every single thing you want to throw out. Yeah, so she's blaming the fact that the city charges too much just to pick this stuff up so people dump and she actually even knows who dumped the pasta but she won't say a kayaker says people are dumping stuff in the stream all the time he hates it apparently it's easier for people to go dump stuff in the woods than get rid of it properly yeah he's seen so much junk over the years that he actually pays
paid to have all the stuff hauled away. I wound up getting four dumpsters, filled all the dumpsters to the brim of tires and furniture and other garbage that just washes up and floats up. It's very frustrating. Yeah, who does that, though? He did it with his own cash. But the pasta thing, we don't know who did it. They do, but they wouldn't tell us. But it was just some random either restaurant owner or somebody in the area using that dumping ground.